And good morning, RadioNext.tv. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio at the Collaborate 317 RadioNext.tv studio right here on the Cool Groove site. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell in studio right now getting ready to go into the season and the <laughs> gift of giving. Dr. Mark, how are you today, my brother? Oh, man, it's great to be back again in the seat with you. I, we were we are going to have a great show uh, today. We're going to be talking about adoption, uh, family, the processes of giving in that way. In fact, our whole month uh, from here on out through December is going to be a focus on giving. We're really looking forward to that. Uh, we last month, of course, talked about the issue of gratitude and how important that is. This month is on giving, obviously looking forward to Christmas. And uh, in light of all of that, you know, we're very excited uh, to be here at Collaborate again. This is a fantastic facility. I've been inviting people down here to visit us. Uh, if you're at all interested, uh, connect with me, echo1957 at Gmail, or just uh, find me on social media. I'm everywhere. Happy to uh, interact in those ways. But, uh, HB, this is going to be a great show today, and looking forward to hearing what Josh has to say. Absolutely, and Josh Bach is one of the founders out here at Collaborate 317 and Coffee USA, the nonprofit that is part of uh, this great incubator out here as we are uh, building just a dynamic uh, melting pot of organizations coming together to, gre- uh, to do great works in the community. Uh, but adoption, that's an interesting subject that you chose today, man. Yeah, this is a wonderful option, I think, for all of us to consider, if not for us personally, uh, certainly to encourage others. In this culture, we have such a, a focus on uh, eliminating problems, and even that goes to the issue of abortion. Uh, so when we talk about adoption, we see this as, a, as a, the best alternative uh, what, that we can consider as Christians. And we're going to be talking more about this uh, throughout the first hour of this program, actually talking a little bit about church history and the importance of what Christians have been doing uh, throughout the ages in all of this regard. Well, I got a little tidbit for you, All man, right. before we take a break. I was adopted, legally yeah, adopted. Look yeah, we're going to come back and talk about that. I turned ah, out kind of all right. We're going to come right back. You're listening <laughs> to Comenius Institute, Warp and Wolf Radio, live from the Collaborate 317 Radio Next TV studio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back, RadioNext.tv. We are live here from the Collaborate 317 RadioNext.tv studio. You are listening to Warp and Wolf Radio, where Dr. Mark Echo and Harold H.B. Bell each and every Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring some sense out of all this craziness <laughs> go. going on in this world. Mm-hmm. But uh, the beautiful thing is is that we get an opportunity to uh, take time out and say we're going to recognize all the positive things that happen in our community and try to create solutions. That's what we do. Before we get started, Mark, tell them about Comenius Institute, the sure. great organization that you lead. Yeah, and that you're on the board for. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Comenius, we crossed three bridges. And the first bridge is uh, helping young uh, college students coming from high school into IUPUI, helping them to bridge the gap of uh, seeing and hearing things that they uh, perhaps were not used to growing up in their homes or in their churches. Uh, that's the first bridge. The second bridge is bridge into communities. And we're especially interested, obviously, on a radio show like this in doing exactly what we do every single week, and that's to find Christian organizations around Indianapolis that are doing good right out of Titus chapter 3, those three commands there. And our focus, by the way, is uh, specifically and especially in uh, introducing black and white leaders uh, to each other around Indianapolis. The third bridge is our emphasis on culture. So how do we engage uh, culture from a Christian point of view? In fact, uh, just this week on Monday... Uh, Kelly Thompson from Moody Radio interviewed me on their great show up there in Anderson, and we talked about why doing good 
is the best response to a bad culture. So that was a, a lot of fun to do that. So Comenius, uh, find us at ComeniusInstitute.com, and we have all kinds of things there, podcasts, uh, video teaching that I do every Sunday at my church. Uh, there's all kinds of essays there about the kinds of interactions that we have with our students and so on. And then, of course, you can go to my website, warpandwoof.org. That's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org. And there you will find over 600 essays about just about anything you'd want to find, I think. And you can use the search line to type in words and uh, find things that might be of interest to you. Always contact me. You can contact me at Cominius. You can contact me through my email, echo1957 at gmail. Uh, we'll even text to talk. We'll be happy to do that too. So oh, you find me. You've got some new tools. Huh? That's you, right, man. Look at me. Look at you. <laughs> 60. <laughs> 60 years uh, of age and okay, I've okay. still got tools, man. Hey, but it's great. It's great. Uh, but, uh, great Thanksgiving, I take it. Oh, it was fantastic. And, uh, we had, uh, the kids down from Defiance, all of them. So the grandkids, everybody was there. Lots and lots of fun, as you might well imagine. Little voices screaming through the house, which always makes grandparents very, very pleased. So there you go. Absolutely. Well, today we're, uh, you know, as I mentioned, this is the holiday season and, uh, I, I it's a little bit different for me because I'm kind of like a holiday guy every day. And then when the holiday comes, it's kind of like, you mean y'all have to wait on this to feel like this? Mm-hmm. But in the spirit of I have to always participate. But in the spirit of giving, man, um, you have chosen a subject matter today that um, and it's ironic when you made the post about a family adoption and that that commitment that the family makes when they say, let's take on. Uh, this person who needs this love right mm-hmm. here. It is amazing some of the the attachments and some of the inboxes that I was receiving on your post hmm. about adoption because this Great. affects pretty much everybody. Yeah. And, and we, we overlook it, I think, a lot. Uh, but in today's uh, text, I guess we're going to be talking to Josh Bach, who is the executive director yeah. of Coffee USA in the second hour. And I've had the opportunity to meet some of his beautiful little ones that mm. uh, he and his wife said, OK, let's make these people's lives whole. Mm. Um, but in this first hour, we always like to talk about uh, wisdom in life and how it connects. And so since we're discussing adoption and and, and how it affects family today. Give us a brief overview, uh, Mark, of what adoption is. Sure. So adoption is simply uh, a family, uh, a mom and a dad getting together and saying, you know what, there are some folks out there, some little ones uh, that need love that perhaps have been either abandoned uh, or little ones who have uh, a teenage uh, young person who's willing to give up their child uh, for adoption, uh, whatever the case might be. Uh, there are situations where uh, folks are just in hard places uh, where they find themselves unable to care for children. And there are all kinds of adoption agencies, which, by the way, we'll be talking about later on in the program. Uh, but adoption is simply uh, somebody else, uh, an older couple, you know, for instance, a mom and a dad caring for little ones. And, H.B., quite frankly, I think, you know, you're probably in a better position than me to talk about this. So tell us a little bit about the whole adoption. Well, well it's it's interesting because, you know, you live your life and, you know, you walk around and you start looking at all these things. This might be therapy. Therapy that, you know, the Lord is giving me without me having to think too much. But uh, when I was 15 years old, my mom had, had made a few mistakes in life and had to uh, go serve some time. And a wonderful couple, Rich Haley and Mary Beth Ramey, uh, biracial couple back in 1975. Oh, boy. <laughs> like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, <laughs> man. I'm is. serious. Uh, <laughs> but I was living in the city, Arlington High School, man, and I only knew one way. Uh, I did. I was fortunate to have a great football coach who, 
who loved me up from a man's point mm-hmm. of view, but really I was kind of just out there, man. You know, no fa- no father, uh, mom's gone away, and then Rich and Mary Beth, mm-hmm. who were both attorneys, uh, adopted me. Mm-hmm. So when I say Fresh Prince, I mean I went and I was never really deprived of material goods, but I was deprived of understanding the importance of my education. I was deprived of knowing structural mm-hmm. values like how to budget money, uh, how to plan, you know, mm-hmm. wake up. And I mean, when I say God's hand was on me, it was just on me. So mm-hmm. I never really looked at it as as anything so so different until I got older and realized, man, these people, mm-hmm. the the responsibility. For somebody to say, let me take this 15 and a half, 16-year-old mm-hmm. guy who's got his own uh, sense of thought, his mm-hmm. own way of doing things, and say, let us take him into to this household and love him up unconditionally, man. And uh, uh, part of this is all of the ingredients of why I'm like I am, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, never looking at it from a harsh level, but, man, some folks love me mm-hmm. uh, through this life. So adoption for me was – it was a bit different because I still had my – maternal family mm-hmm. and you'll meet one of my oldest aunts today who is coming out oh, 80, 80 years old and she's still out here writing right. grants and doing executive assistant stuff but she's That's coming cool. out and was selected to be one of the uh uh applicants from oh, from the collection she's coming good. out here but anyway you'll get to meet her that's my mom though the sister so i have my family around mm-hmm. but i needed something different that they mm-hmm. probably couldn't offer sure. um, they were all developing and trying to grow in their professional lives or whatever uh some had just been married my mother had us young so the dynamic said he needs to probably be removed and put into a, a more structured atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was tough at first. Yeah. It was tough at first because readjusting uh, t- in the middle of how you're being used to do things. And, and I'm sure we'll discuss that as we go. But um, it, it can either disrupt a family or bring a family closer together. There you go. Um, but it was it was interesting. Hmm. It was interesting now that I can look back at it and say, wow, yeah. that, was, that was a sacrifice. That yeah. was a commitment. Yeah, well, I'm grateful for your personal testimony, man. That's huge. So this issue of adoption, obviously, very, very important uh, for you. Um, let's talk about why it should be important generally to Christians. So, I guess you the one. You call it, you smack me in the face with that cherry pie. I'm, uh, no, now I guess it should be effective for, uh, for Christians because, really, if we read Scripture, all through Scripture, um, you know, do good, do good. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident that that scripture. It's not an accident of love your, you know, neighbor like you would love yourself. Yeah. That's inherited in the same, you know, vein and the same thought. Right. Um, and I just think as Christians, man, we got to do more of what we read versus yeah. what we're practicing on Sunday. Well, you you used a word just a moment ago, a very biblical word, uh, obviously, uh, the word unconditional. Yeah. Unconditional is a big deal in scripture. It means no matter what you do, I'm going to do this for you and that wow i mean that just is life-changing it it flips everything on its head well when we get to unconditional then we get to the you know the true essence i think of what we're supposed to be as a a a church family so Mm -hmm. to speak on this earth and i think too many times we're looking for what's wrong instead of just thanking God for all the good that we have around us. And there you go. it seems to be like epidemic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm out of place because I feel like I'm wandering around down here <laughs> in my own little land of joy. And I'm watching people get caught up on mm-hmm. things that come through mainstream media. Mm-hmm. I'm get, watching people get caught up on what somebody said to their cousin or what. I, mean, I don't know nothing about all that, so I leave it all alone and just say unconditional love. If we do that and practice that, we're going to be go. better. Uh, but for the last question in this segment, I'm going to throw this back to you. Sure. Uh, 
what principles from Proverbs, since this is what we always talk about and this mm-hmm. is kind of what we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. uh, what principles from Proverbs can be applied to the topic when we start talking about adoption? Sure. So there is a ton of scripture in Proverbs about parents, children's mom, dad, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to mention one verse to everybody today. That comes out of Proverbs 14, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has a strong confidence. And here's the, the key that, to this passage. And his children will have a refuge. I'll read that again. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. And his children will have a refuge. Now, that's a, an interesting word, the idea of refuge. And it kind of comes back around to what you just mentioned, H.P., but let me expand on that word just a moment. In Hebrew, the word refuge is literally the word moksah. When I was over at, uh, when I was in Israel studying for a bit in 79 and 80, uh, we would actually see this word on roads uh, during our trips in various places in Israel. And so you would see moksah signs, and usually it would be in a place where uh, there would be this huge uh, underground area where somebody could crawl in, you know, like an aqueduct or something like this, and they could have refuge. Of course, in Israel, as we know, it's quite a war-torn kind of place sometimes. And so if you had mortar attack or whatever, there was a place to go, and it was Maksah, a place of refuge. Well, think about that in terms of little ones. If a little one now has this place of refuge where they got a mom and a dad, they're going to take care of them, uh, just like in your case, this is a marvelous, wonderful thing, and they actually have protection from things around them. Absolutely. This is a great conversation, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about the commitment of adoption, the the unconditional love when you adopt someone. And right now I think it's very important that we might uh, consider if you're out there and you do not have any young ones around, and even if you do, if you're a, a, a single person and uh, you're, you're a little bit alone or whatever, you'd be surprised at what um, giving your life to help someone else's life would do for your benefit. We're going to come right back. Dr. Mark Echo, Harold H.B. Bell, War from Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove Radio TV. We are live from the Cool Groove site at Collaborate 317 Radio TV studio. Harold H.B. Bell, Dr. Mark Echo. In studio for the Warp and Wolf radio show, and today we have a very, very interesting topic, um, and one that uh, I'm sure affects somebody and everybody in any family. We're talking about family adoption and uh, the dynamic of that. And, and, you know, adoption is one thing when, when maybe one or two people, the husband and wife, say, let's come together. Mm-hmm. and let's adopt this child. But if you already have two to three children, and that dynamic changes tremendously uh, when you're talking about, you know, shaking up the dynamic of your family. Um, in the second segment, uh, I guess we need to know is why is adoption so important for both children and parents as we led into that little segue? There? Yeah, this is, uh, I want to introduce everybody to uh, perhaps a publication you're not familiar with, but you should be. Uh, it's Christian History Magazine. Uh, And you can go to ChristianHistoryInstitute.org and find their wonderful archive of all of their fantastic stuff from issue one through this coming issue is issue 124. I'm going to, you know, just pat myself on the back here a little bit and say uh, I was one of the initial subscribers to Christian History magazine back in the day when it first came out. And I love this magazine because you find all kinds of great stuff here from history, and it's wonderful stuff. So I wanted to read something uh, from this issue that's coming out uh, this month, actually. Uh, This is going all the way back to the first century. And I wanted to highlight this because this thing has been going on in the Christian tradition for 2,000 years. Here's what a man whose name is Tertullian said. 
Tertullian was one of the great apologists of the first century. He said, We don't take the gifts and spend them on feasts, drinking bouts, or fancy restaurants. <laughs> you would, it sounds like he's talking to the 21st century. This is something he's saying in the first century. When they get money given to them, he said, Instead, Tertullian continues, we use them, these gifts, to support and bury poor people, to supply the needs of boys and girls who have no means and no parents. Oh, my word. So that sounds vaguely like, oh, I don't know, maybe adoption. A little church lady there for you. And the emphasis is always the same. The emphasis has got to be how are we going to do good, reach out, so when you ask me why is adoption important for both children and parents, this brings people together. It goes back to the segment we just did, unconditional love, the goodness that can be had by giving somebody a home, not on the streets. Parents uh, demonstrate their love. And, of course, this expansive love, as you well said, HB, if they've already got children, we're bringing in more. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess the next question would be is if that's so paramount in, in how we should live individually, then um, how does it promote a better culture? Yeah. Uh, I'm really going to be working this month to get in a really important group, I think. Uh, I've been in love with the Salvation Army forever and always. Uh, we're going to try and get them in here to uh, talk about what they do at the Salvation Army. But I just wanted to mention some things that they meant that they do right now during this season of the year. So they're actually uh, doing adoptions with Angel Tree. So if you're at all interested or have any kind of connection at all, to Salvation Army in the past, probably the most important and most significant and perhaps the most well-publicized of all the things they do, that they do, especially at Christmas time, is the angel giving tree. And they talk about the adoptions that they do there and so on. So uh, I think this promotes a better culture simply because uh, folks like the Salvation Army are out there and doing this. Uh, let me uh, highlight a few uh, groups that are actually doing this. There is a group here in Indianapolis called Bethany Christian Services on Graham Road that uh, has an adoption agency. The uh, Bond of Life Adoptions, LLC, out in Zionsville uh, does a really great job with this. And then, of course, the Miriam Project up in Anderson. All of these great institutions doing good things uh, that I think promote a better culture because it's drawing people together. What's our biggest problem in this culture, in any culture, quite frankly, Ever since Genesis 3, we've been dividing ourselves from each other. The best thing that we can do in a culture is not diversify, but unify. And so anytime we can bring people together, show them the goodness of what has, is happening around us, share that with them, the unity of the Spirit of Christ is what we're all about. Wow, man, that is interesting. And while you were, were giving that information, I just had to go online and look up uh, the numbers for adoption. And right now they have over 100,000 children who are waiting uh, to be adopted in over 400,000 who are in the foster care system. So you see this is a huge, huge problem. Uh, is there any other groups that you'd like to mention uh, who are doing some positive things in the community before we go to this next break? Yeah, sure. So just before we do that, I just want to say, you know, it's so nice to have you as a co-host because, you know, look at you. You're online. You're checking things out for me, backing me up, man. I mean, you know, if I'm your twin, I have to think <laughs> like the is. doctor, don't I? I mean, we, <laughs> we just, we do, you know, just a couple of shades, you know, lighter and darker, however you want to take it. But there no, man, go. this is real. This, this is, is what real. we do. Yeah, this is what we do, but it's so paramount that people know because if they don't know those numbers, then how can they yeah, really take how exactly. tragic it is? You know, um, that we've got babies, over a half million babies almost just out there with, with no one loving that's right. them. You know, that's, that's, that's not good. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and by the way, hey, Mom, your son, say hello to you this morning. 
Love you, Virginia. <laughs> there you go. So Bethany uh, in Indianapolis, let me highlight a few things that they do. Just I want to pick up on Bethany because they do such great work there. Domestic foster care. Uh, this is a marvelous opportunity for those who perhaps can place a child for some days, weeks, months, uh, and help them along to their next spot, perhaps actually to uh, perhaps even adopt them in the future. Then, of course, there's infant adoption, uh, expectant parents uh, looking for adoptive families. This is a huge issue, one that we've been talking about all the way through. International adoptions. Here's what Bethany does to help uh, bridge the divide between oceans and American families that are looking uh, to adopt young people from other countries. And then uh, last but not least is pregnancy support. Now, we uh, have a, a, the emphasis in this culture, unfortunately, is on choice, and uh, the emphasis in a pro-choice environment uh, is uh, oftentimes against the pro-life uh, emphasis. And so we want to emphasize what Bethany does, pregnancy support, and a pro-life emphasis, and that's what we're all about. HB, I think Bethany, and there's a whole bunch of other folks out there doing great stuff. I think this is a great way to, for folks to start looking if they're interested. Absolutely. And uh, right before we go to the break, you know, we, I'm on Bethany's page right now, and it, and it ties so close into what we're doing here in the Collaborate 317. Mm-hmm. As you know, the seed of Collaborate 317 is the Hope Center. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem, we start talking about foster kids are the uh, lure of human trafficking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got so many things that are attached to uh, young people being adopted, uh, lack of graduating from high school, the lack of employment. Mm-hmm. All these things are crucial mm-hmm. when we're talking about kids who go into the foster care system and do not get the opportunity to be built or, or raised in a somewhat holistic That's household. Right. We're going to come back, Dr. Mark Eckel, Harold H.B. Bell on the Comenius Institute. We're talking about adoption. If you have any opinions and want to weigh in, go to Dr. Mark Eckel on Facebook, Harold H.B. Bell, and give us your thoughts and insights on this. We'll be right RadioNext.tv, we are live on air right now on the Cool Groove site at the Collaborate 317 RadioNext.tv studio. And you're going to continue to hear me talk about Collaborate 317, uh, Warp and Wolf and Comenius Institute, a part of that Collaborate Community Real Nonprofit Radio Next, along with 33 right now. The number is 33 nonprofits who come together to try to just galvanize all their uh, resources together and create some quality programmings in our community. And uh, might as well give them the word now. The tickets aren't on sale yet but since you know we are the music lovers here uh, <laughs> dr mark we are going to begin uh a, a non-profit sharing network mixer where we're going to have um over 300 different people here mm. partly from the nonprofit arena some from the professional world some who are concerned about community development and have them out here at the uh, collaborate 317 event center mm. every month the first uh being the january 12th date 6 p.m. to about, you know, we're saying 9 p.m., but if Rodney Step and the Step Walker Project oh get to jam a little hard, we'll go till 10. And so we want you to come on out and enjoy and see what we're talking about. Uh, we can't do it justice, people, when we mm. start describing some of the things that are going on over here at 317. So uh, January the 12th, 6 to 10, we'll be putting it out um, here shortly. Tickets will go on sale right after the first of next week, and you can learn how you can be a part of this great Collaborate 317 family out here. Dr. Mark Eckel, we are talking about adoption today, and as we enter this last segment of the first set, um, while we await on our guest, Josh Bach, and he's he's an expert at it. <laughs> yes, he uh, is. <laughs> no, man, and I commend him, because what I'm noticing, too, 
conclude uh, before we get into this this last segment is the the love mm-hmm. of the people who are making these adoptions. Right. And I'm watching all different creed and colors of people mm-hmm. just adopting these babies of all different creeds and colors. Yep. And, man, it, it warms my heart because I truly think back when we were going in a couple of sets, uh, segments before, man, God didn't do this accidentally. That's right. This ain't, this ain't accidental, man. Yeah. And, you know, we act like we don't get this sometimes, whether it's working together, coming together as a different races of people, whatever it might be. We act like we don't understand it. And when yeah. I watch these people say, let me go get this baby from Somalia. Mm-hmm. Let me go get this mm-hmm. baby from Russia who has been deprived of the things mm-hmm. that can help them grow and be a fruitful citizen um, and watch people just say, let's love these babies. And, yeah. And if we could get back to that as humans, we'd be good. So that's my that's my preaching moment. But in this last <laughs> segment, my brother, uh, who are some of the Christians in Indianapolis who are doing some good things through adoption? Yeah, this is uh, let's let's go back to something that I should have said earlier, perhaps, and uh, uh, missed the opportunity to do that. So let me hit it now. Uh, you mentioned uh, you connected, obviously, uh, the Lord who has uh, given us all things, and one of the things that. Uh, I failed to mention early on was the issue of adoption in Scripture. Scripture is a, uh, gives us a huge picture of adoption, starting all the way back in the book of Genesis. We actually find out that the uh, family of Abraham was going to be basically adopting everybody, uh, which means that uh, they were going to be adopting all nations. All nations were going to be blessed through Abraham because of uh, what God was going to do through that great nation. But adoption is the act of God whereby he makes us members of his family. Now, of course, uh, in the New Testament times, we're talking about when one becomes a believer in Jesus, uh, there is this automatic family connection. And one of the greatnesses of being at a place like Elaborate 3 on 7 or sharing time with any of our friends, wherever they might be, who are believers, we're just automatically in a family no matter where we go. So we can go to a different city. We can go to a different neighborhood. doesn't really matter. Uh, we really just feel this uh, symbiosis, this connection with each other, uh, simply because uh, we are part of that family, and God has uh, given us that family uh, to be invested in. Uh, but to the issue of Indianapolis, let me just suggest again, I mentioned uh, these folks up in Anderson, but I wanted to say again, uh, the Miriam Project Adoption Services uh, and their website uh, emphasizes providing Christ-centered adoption services. So we're talking about expectant mothers. We're talking about a few current families looking to adopt. Uh, we're talking about those who might be pregnant and the uh, needs that they might have. And then, of course, there are home study connections that they're doing, uh, but all kinds of great things that they're doing for uh, folks in and around Indianapolis up in Anderson. Once again, the Miriam Project Adoption Services, and all of this, again, is uh, born out of God who has given us uh, this adoption concept throughout Scripture. You know, this is uh, this this next question is one that's going to take us there a little bit because I just kind of hit on it uh, before the culture mm-hmm. and adoption. Yeah. And I uh, just want to know, is there a difference between how uh, the culture and the Christian yeah. uh, practices adoption? And if so, then explain why. Sure. So I think the big issue for us, whenever we talk about how Christians and Christianity is different from every other view of life and things, we always talk about the difference being basically the one between what's internal and what's external. If in our culture the focus is on the external, then people are going to be uh, interested in, let's say, for instance, adopting uh, a child uh, simply to have a child because that's part of maybe what is necessary for them uh, to show to other people that they care. 
Uh, if this is truly simply an external display of something that you want for yourself because it will make you whole, then that's a whole bunch different than uh, what the Christian does, which is born out of love and internal compulsion of the Spirit of God, uh, someone who is uh, concerned and consumed uh, by the very thing that God has given to them, which is his grace and mercy and love. And so the big difference, I would suggest, always between no matter what it is we talk about, culture and the Christian, the culture is going to focus on the external, the Christian is going to focus on the internal, and the transformation comes from the inside out. You know, um, and this question wasn't um, one that we were we were planning to ask, but in just listening to that and we start talking culture, um, we, we, we want to start talking about as well economic uh, deprivation and how that might um, lead to the lack of people who want to say, let me adopt this young sure. one yeah. uh, versus the reality of can't afford this. Yeah. One of the things that uh, makes me think I think of right away is the uh, connection that I see on a regular basis. Probably every uh, three, four months, uh, some article pops up someplace, whether it's Huffington Post or Slate or Washington Post or wherever. And folks are talking about how much it costs uh, to raise a child. And once again, I'm going back to my, uh, my answer just a moment ago. When we focus in a, as a culture on that which is external, so we're talking about a money issue, uh, this isn't being driven from something that's internal, that is, that's going to change us. Now, do people need the wherewithal economically to make these kinds of decisions? Well, of course they do. But so many folks, so many Christians do this out of simple love, and they make room for young people. Let me just go back to church history for a moment to, to emphasize this. When the Romans wanted to get rid of children, and this happened on a regular basis, we see this in cultures uh, for millennia. When uh, Romans wanted to get rid of children, they often would get rid of female babies because they wanted a male heir. And so what the Romans would do when the church first started in the first century was the Romans knew that Christians would take care of their kids. So instead of taking them to the dump, which is sometimes what they did, or drown their little female babies in the local river, what they would do is they would leave the babies on the doorstep of Christians who they knew would take care of them. Now, Christians, you know, they didn't have huge economic supports or whatever, but because of the love that they had, God provided for them in means and in ways that they never foresaw. And, of course, uh, so many young people were saved in that way. I really think um, while we talk about the economics of things uh, and the disparities of economics, it truly is born, this adoption issue is truly born of love. Uh, and I love that you said that, and that was, you know, what I was hoping I would get back. And as uh, one great philosopher, Brian Hudson, once said, "Because <laughs> <laughs> resources are limited, <laughs> but the source is unlimited." There and like is. you say, when you do things internally from the spirit of how am I going to love this mm -hmm. person, God's not going to let you down. I don't yeah. believe so. That's right. Uh, you know that question was put there intentionally. Look at though. you, man. No, because <laughs> there are a group of people out there who are always trying to make things perfect before yep. they make moves of sacrifice. There you go. And if you continue to do that you'll never be able to be tested to see if you're even worthy yeah of living that's why you're my brother work. man I'm absolutely you. so you know we know that your pedigree <laughs> is <laughs> the movie go. guy yeah you know and and, and pretty much and, and that's what i love about what we do because we can all circle our energies around what our passion is and mm -hmm. make sense out of it you love the movies yeah so so even in the field of adoption, tell us, and I know where we go. Uh, <laughs> tell us about, yeah. tell us about some of the movies that can really help inspire yeah. uh, people if they want to know more, feel like they can be attached to maybe wanting to know more about adoption. Honestly, I love your word inspire there. So let's inspire.
inspire some folks with some of these films. And, you know, these are fun-loving movies, uh, but they really do speak to the issue of needs that the culture generally has. So let's talk about uh, the fun movies Despicable Me and Despicable Me Me Too. Uh, this is a great adoption uh, film uh, where Gru is a villain who adopts three orphaned little girls, uh, he wants his. He has evil intentions to begin with, but of course, later on, his heart is softened. Uh, that's a marvelous thing. Then, of course, we've got Elf. I mean, who could not resist Will Ferrell during the holidays uh, portraying Elf, uh, one of the most quoted movies uh, ever, uh, where we talk about this young person is being adopted uh, by the North Pole. And then we want to go old school. We go to Annie. I mean, Annie, this is a great film, and it's one that goes all the way back uh, into the middle of the last century, the middle of the 20th century. Uh, even Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3 are dealing with issues of adoption and little ones that don't um, have parents. Uh, if you want to go with animals, we could talk about Free Willy. Free Willy is, <laughs> has an adoption theme in it as well. Uh, we can't stop uh, without saying, of course, something about The Blind Side, which is one of those great movies about uh, Michael Orr, who still plays professional football today. And one of the great reasons is because uh, a white family adopted a black boy who then became this marvelous football player. But that's not why they did it. They did it because he was homeless. They cared for him. It's a great film, uh, The Blind Side. And then if you're looking for something that is... Um, Maybe along the lines of your elementary school kids. They're looking for a new movie. Haven't considered this before. Check out Stuart Little, which is all about going to the orphanage and bringing home a new son. Did I hit on any of your favorites, A.C.? <laughs> You're just cracking me up because, you know, this horror gothic movie guy, you know, who does educational programming, man. You can tell Grandpa was in the house oh, today. there it is. You had all, I can tell you were sitting up watching with the grandbabies over Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's true. All I of was. these great movies, yeah, yeah. But, but no, truthfully, sometimes, you know, we make more sense out of watching a movie, detaching ourselves from people we know and thinking about all the things that could go wrong versus watching and saying, you know what? Give this thing a chance. Let's mm -hmm. give this thing a chance. We are talking adoption here on Warping Wolf Radio. When we come back from the break, we're going to take a couple of songs. Josh Bach will be in talking about a testimony, people. This man has taken the plunge, and has, uh, he and his wife have gone out and said, you know what? We're not going to allow this to happen to those 100,000 babies that are out there, and they're going to do their part. We'll be right back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio on the Cool Groove site. And we are back. You're listening to Warp and Wolf Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site out here at the great collaborate 317 in Greenfield. Uh, make sure that you uh, touch base with me at some point to talk about coming out to see this great place. I've been giving some tours over the last few weeks. Of folks and their eyes pop when they come out here. 25,000 square feet. Uh, we have a gala room of 300 seats. We've got video teaching room of 50 seats. We've got a studio for radio and video. I could go on and on. It's a great place to be. And Cominius is uh, grateful to be a part of this collaborate of uh, 30 plus nonprofits around Indianapolis that are doing good in the community and uh, rubbing shoulders with each other and sharing ideas and uh, the opportunities that we have in this particular uh, great city of Indianapolis. Today we are continuing our discussion, and we started in our first hour, about adoption. And when we talked about uh, doing something like this on adoption, there isn't anybody else that I would have asked to come and do this other than Josh Bach, our guest uh, here this morning, uh, because of his very personal and specific connection to adoption. Josh, thanks for being here this morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your church. 
Yeah, take it away. Thank you for thank you for having me, and uh, very very excited about you being on board and getting a chance to to collaborate with you on a yeah. regular basis. Just um, you know, the meeting of the minds. I love the idea of just being able to introduce each other to each other's contacts yep. because. We can do a lot together. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. So very exciting. Yeah, adoption is near and dear to my heart, my wife's heart. Uh, we've made it really a, a, a very strong personal mission of ours mm. to to help with the awareness, and it. it, it it's it's just a, it's just an area topic that's that's so near and dear. There's so many children that are in the need of of foster good homes to be in. Uh, there's so many so many children that are in need of of some loving parents to take them in, mm-hmm. teach them the basics, love on them, mm-hmm. and and so I, I want to first and foremost really uh, kind of pass the spotlight to my wife. She is uh, her her name's Kara. She she really um, this this is her passion. She's mm-hmm. the CEO of that. Uh, mission. There is no nonprofit associated with it. It's mm-hmm. just it's just the giving of uh, talents, resources, and uh, and so kudos to her. Mm-hmm. I just I just I, I support it and I help in as many ways as we can. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is so we we have we have five daughters that we adopted for which through the foster system mm-hmm. here locally in Marion County. And uh, our oldest daughter is twelve. We've got a seven or an eight year old, and then three seven year olds. Oh wow! So uh, two of which are twins. Uh, okay. There's a three month difference. So uh, a couple months back, we had a seven year old and two six year olds, but now we have three seven year olds. Wow! So all in first grade. Wow! And so, yeah, it's just it's just a it's just a wonderful it's just an absolutely wonderful mm-hmm. delight to be a part of their lives to 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 have them into our homes. They are our children. Mm. Um, <laughs> we, we learned very early that, you know, biological is one thing. It's a gift, and it's a wonderful, wonderful gift, but it does not take blood mm. uh, to, to, be, to mm-hmm. be a loving, engaged, 100% parent. There you go. It, it strikes me as I hear you say that uh, it doesn't take blood. That's a great line, honestly. Um, when I stopped to consider this, and we just talked about it, uh, just a few minutes ago in the first segment, uh, we talked about God's view of adoption and something that Scripture sets up for us very clearly uh, from Genesis on, actually. Uh, the, the, of course, being adopted into a family that is not necessarily your own, not in bloodline that way. Uh, but this is a huge issue. So I have to ask you, in terms of your connection to your faith commitment, how, does, uh, how do you see adoption connected to your faith commitment? You know, I mean, in in every way, I think I think really more than anything else, the seed was planted by our Lord and Savior. <laughs> I know that my wife and I we've been together since uh, our freshman year in college, mm. and so, uh, gosh, we're and we're we're getting ready to celebrate our seventeenth wedding anniversary. Congratulations! But uh, one of our initial conversations that we had uh, with each other as we started dating and getting serious was the idea of how important each of us felt adoption was mm. i think part of that reason too was that we both had adoption in our and each each of our families mm. and we just saw that as such a wonderful way to 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 bring more kids into your family mm. and so that seed that was created really came out of just a strong love to 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 give mm. um i know that you know we're i think other adoptive parents probably get the same reply but a lot of people say that you know these kids are so lucky to have you and mm. and and that's that's awesome but my first response is we're so lucky to have them mm. and so i mean it is that family unit that bond that god brought mm. us together god opened up each and every door mm. uh for each of the children that came into our home and and 
you know, there's, there's zero doubt that's, that's exactly how it took place. Mm. It, you know, the, when you stop to consider the issue of adoption, and uh, from a Christian vantage point, obviously we just mentioned the connection to Scripture, which is huge. Um, we're coming into Christmas, and probably the greatest example of adoption is about to happen once again as we celebrate Amen. the birth of Jesus, <laughs> uh, where we have two parents, uh, obviously a virgin birth going on here, and so you have this adoptive uh, process going on uh, with Mary and Joseph, uh, with the baby Jesus. Uh, this is a big deal for us when we stop to consider who Jesus is and where he came from and how we make that connection to us just kind of seems obvious, doesn't it? it, it you know, it really does. We we have to sometimes stop and really look at that core mm-hmm. teaching. <laughs> yeah. Because that's exactly what that is. Yeah. I mean, the idea of really being able to to bring someone in. There's there's a lot of talk around, you know, with the idea of, of you know, that's, are these your kids? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and people don't mean to say what they mean right. because that's just right. cultural type thing. Yeah. And uh, now, are, are all of these your kids? And the answer is yes. All of them <laughs> yes. are my kids. <laughs> That's <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> but but there's there is a big thing about you know the idea of you know, we grow up, we grow up in a culture that you know we want to pass on mm-hmm. our our DNA. We mm-hmm. want to pass on you know um, our, our bloodline, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it really causes you to to really stop and ponder what what is my bloodline? Mm-hmm. What is what is my is is it biological? Right. Yeah. And it's not always so. Uh, I was just down at Shepherd Community Center yesterday and uh, talking with uh, uh, some folks down there, and we were discussing, you know, connections here and maybe having them on the radio show and so on. And uh, we were talking about these young people that are being so wonderfully helped at Shepherd. And uh, one of the statements that I made was uh, legacy is not uh, what you leave behind, it's who you leave behind. And uh, it's one of my many mantras. You know, I think I'm a, up to 169 mantras now, Josh. So oh, wow. you know, maybe I should post them someplace. No, it's definitely. Legacy is not what you leave behind. It's who you leave behind. And it, it doesn't have to be blood. It doesn't have to be physical. Mm. You're talking about these young uh, ladies that you have now in, in your home as your children. This is who you are leaving behind. They are now going to have this tremendous uh, example set for them that they're going to take into their families into the future. Mm. You know, it's funny you say that because I just remembered a conversation I had with one of my daughters, Maria, last night. Mm. <clears throat> and she, I mean, all my girls are just loving and wonderful. I mean, they just really, truly are. But mm. Maria just really, she lights up. You could, she could, she lights up. You could just, the love radiates from mm. her. And the comment, the conversation really was kind of going back to, you know, being able to give, like, give each other love. And so I explained to her, I said, well, my parents and some of my family and many people have they gave me love, mm. and I, it's my duty and obligation and desire to give mm. that love to you mm. so that you can give it to your sisters, so mm. that you can give that to your family one day mm-hmm. and everyone else. So it's a transferring of, of, that, of that heartbeat, that mm-hmm. love. Yes, and it's so different uh, from the Christian vantage point. One of the issues that we talked about in the first hour was the difference between how culture uh, views adoption and how Christians view adoption. We talked about how it's driven from the inside rather than, you know, in some cases, some of the folks are, if I could be so bold as to say, rather narcissistic about how they uh, view uh, adopting a child simply so that they can say they have a child. Yeah. Uh, some folks go so far as to, to say awful things like, you know, this is, this is my trophy. You know, they view it as this external display of something sure. that they've done. Yeah. Uh, but now we're talking about a Christian view, which is 
uh, this really important word, which is uh, called unconditional. Yeah. <laughs> unconditional love. That right. means no matter what, it doesn't matter. No matter what. Yeah. No, it, it is, and that that's the truest form of love. Mm. And so, being able to explain to our kids, you know, where that source comes from. You know, every single prayer that we have, we thank God for many things. But one of the things we include is the love that's in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's where the source. That's where the original mm-hmm. source is. Mm-hmm. One of the things that strikes me is uh, uh, one of the greatest differences between a Christian view of life and things and everybody else's view is the source or origin of wherever this thing comes from that we're talking about. So we talk about, uh, did this originate with God? How, how, did this, how did God set this up for us in this, this particular mindset, in our thinking, in our processes, whatever? And so you, when you mention the word origin or source of something, mm-hmm. this is really a primary question in all of Christian life where we talk about what is the uh, arche. That arche in Greek means the beginning or the first word. Uh, tell us is the end or the last word. So we're always looking at what came before and where are we going to. And you've hit on a really important idea here. That is, where does this thing come from originally? Where did love come from? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the simplest terms, that's 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 the thing. When when communicating with your children, I think sometimes it's very easy for us to get very complicated in certain things. But when you really mm-hmm. break down the core. Yeah, and and talk about that that source that that love that's where everything spawns from mm. everything from that point. Before we go on break, I wanted to ask, uh, since we're talking about your little ones and prayer time that you have with them and so on, what are some of the things that you do to help your children feel at home in your family? Are there specific processes, uh, events? What what do you do? Well, you know, I, I I think so. My wife and I are very very strong in our mindset in regards to communicating and embracing what adoption is. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you look back at, you know, decades ago, adoption was something that just wasn't talked about. If mm-hmm. you were adopted, you know, if you were an early age, sometimes you weren't told ever, mm-hmm. or maybe when you were, you know, an adult. And and if someone was adopted, it just wasn't, it was one of those topics that we just didn't talk about. And for whatever reason, I, I, I think I think I think it was just people trying to, bridge that gap of, mm. you know, you are mine. Mm. You are my own. You are my son. You are my daughter. But the fact of the matter is when you don't talk about something, it becomes taboo and it looked upon as a, in a child's eyes. Mm. This is bad. This is this makes me different. So going back, one of the things that my wife uh, has, has done is created adoption books. So mm. from the very end, some of our girls were 10 months old when we when we adopted them. Uh, uh, recently, you know, you're looking at, at six and seven as, as the age mm-hmm. of, of adoption. So the difference between someone, all they know is is you, mm-hmm. <laughs> versus you know children that have you know lots of past experiences. So being able to have that adoption book, talk about it in a mm-hmm. way that this is exciting. This is how we came to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how you know we we went on this train, we went on this plane, we you know. We, we we met with the judge and you know so so it becomes a story that they're proud to talk mm-hmm. about and and so from a very early age when they were infants that was just their storybook mm-hmm. so then over the course of time then then, then I really believe it but it just becomes something that they're just they're proud it's unique mm-hmm. it's what it's what allowed them to be a part of our family 
This storybook idea is fantastic, and the concept of uh, every child having a story, and then, of course, you becoming part of their story by adopting them uh, as mom and dad is just fantastic. We're really grateful to have Josh Bach here with us this morning talking about the issue of adoption and how important that is from a Christian vantage point. Let me say this, man, yeah, and, and listening, because, you know, I, I wrote a poem when I, I told you I was 15, when 15 and a half when I was first um, had the legal guardians or adopted by Rich and Mary Beth. And uh, writing has always been, you know, my, my refuge. And, mm. and I wrote a poem called Coming From Somewhere and Being From Somewhere. Ooh. And that's what you're talking about. When mm. we give these kids an identity and a sense that I'm, I'm being from someplace, mm-hmm. has a lot more value than coming from someplace. I want to read that, brother. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I had to dig that one out. That was, before, that was definitely before uh, memory and word, <laughs> office word and all that stuff. Uh, we're going to come back, man. Very interesting conversation this morning joshua bach dr mark echo here on warp and woof radio on the cool groove site we are back warp and woof radio at radionext.tv at the cool groove site you are listening to us today to talk about the issue of adoption and we have had the tremendous uh, back and forth first hour with uh, hb and i talking about adoption and specifically uh, uh he let us in on some of the history of his own life uh being adopted into a family at 15 and a half years of age and we talked a little bit about that, of course, the biblical basis for uh, how we think about these things. And, of course, on this particular radio show, you will always hear that, a theological, biblical vantage point about everything that we talk about. But today, in the second hour, we have Josh Bach with us uh, talking about his own family having adopted five little girls. And, uh, Josh, you were telling me off air uh, about the uh, groups uh, that you and your wife, Kara, have put together and work with. Uh, tell, give us some of the background to that. Uh, give some love to those folks that are doing that work. Yeah, again, this goes back to Kara for all of her all of her passion and excitement, her organization skills and her desire to really lead and, and give back. But she has she's created uh, multiple adoption groups around the Indianapolis area, one of which at our uh, church at St. Joan of Arc. And... And just being able to, to to create these groups for multiple purposes, one of which for adoptive families to be able to discuss and, mm-hmm. and be amongst each other to talk about things mm-hmm. that are related to being adop- an adoptive parent. The other of which is to, is to be able to create that awareness where individuals that have that desire in their heart to potentially foster mm-hmm. or potentially adopt. Um, we've just found that there's so many people that may have that desire, but there's a fear that's there. There's an uncertainty of the, of the, of the steps needed, the resources available, just the education as a whole. Mm. And so being able to provide some of that will typically allow those individuals to decide if, if that is indeed something that, that they're, that God is, is driving them to do. Mm. And so my wife does a, a wonderful job of that outreach. She's a connector in mm. so many different ways. She's connected with so many different adoption sources. In fact, going back uh, deeper, one of her first careers uh, out of Ball State was working with Kids First Adoption. Hmm. And so she worked uh, with Kids First Adoption, the Picards, uh, for a number of years and has helped uh, facilitate and help the transactions of, of, of hundreds of kids being adopted. And so a lot of our base is with, and friendships, very mm. strong friendships, are with some of these families that have adopted mm. uh, through Kids First. So that's really where a lot of her uh, uh, core, I guess, in mm-hmm. regards to adoption w- was started. And from there, the passion just, just moved on. Mm. You, you talked about the, uh, the connection to your church and, of course, then to the community and lots of dif- different groups that have been started because of your efforts. Uh, 
have you had any kind of connections to educational institutions around town? Are there groups that are interested, whether that be in higher education at the college university level, and or have you had uh, kind, some kind of connections to local public schools, Christian schools, home schools, private schools? Uh, you know, as of to date, no. I really wish my wife was here because she could probably talk about some of those some of those groups. Uh, to, to date, there hasn't really been a, a connection with some of these larger institutions or groups. Um, I like the idea, though. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm sitting here hearing you say these things and talking about all this good work, and what better place to begin the process of planting seeds in the minds of young people than in junior high, high school, college? Where they're, you know, thinking about their futures, and maybe, maybe they're not right away, but sometime in the future, this seed thought comes back to them. Hey, I remember when, and this group came in, and they talked about these things, and wouldn't that be a great movement to start? You know, that that young people are actually thinking of others before themselves, starting in high school and college, and thinking about that from adoption. Uh, most definitely, and in, in fact, I mean, really going back to the story between uh, Kara and I. We both have had adoption in our family. I had a, I have a stepfather that uh, didn't have any biological children of his own that took us on like we were, again, quote, unquote, his own kids. We are his kids. Mm-hmm. And so being able to see those things from an early age is what helped spawn that, that seed uh, of wanting to make certain that, that this is something that we, we did in our, in our lives. Yeah, it's a continuation. Uh, even in the, in the simplest ways of, of saying uh, that my son-in-law is my son, I, I never call him my son-in-law. I always Your refer son. to him as my son. I mean, he's yeah, he married my daughter, and, you know, there's no blood connection between us, but there's always a connection between us, you know, because Absolutely. of that family. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's closely tied with mm-hmm. the concept of adoption, mm-hmm. to be able to bring these, these individuals into your family, mm-hmm. you know how many friends do we have that we consider family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the family can take on different forms. I, you know, we're in the middle of football season right now, and if you talk to any football player at any level uh, that really is committed to the game, uh, this is a, a family for them. Yeah. And one of the tightest groups, uh, as I, in my understanding, at least uh, listening to these guys talk, one of the tightest groups is the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, it's like this family that nobody else gets to be in because uh. these guys do something and nobody else does, you know. <laughs> they're they're, <laughs> so they're tight. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the tightness of that particular uh, connection. And so when we talk about adoption, we're talking simply about connections. And yes. what we talked about in the first segment is that our connections are intentional. We've desired that these things take place and yeah. these unconditional things are really important to us. Most definitely. You know, it, and it is. It's, it's that's That's... That's how it all works together. Being able to break down all the different divides that there are in in our society mm. to the root cause of, of connection, right? Yes, right. That's what it's all about. We mentioned this too in the first segment. The um, the emphasis in our culture has happens to be uh, presently on diversity. I've always thought that was really a neglectful of the very thing that we really need to be after, which is unity. In fact. If we talk about community, the centerpiece of the word community is unity. Unity is the basis for community and vice versa. So when we talk about this, it doesn't matter what group we're talking about. It doesn't matter what people we hold dear to us. If they're a part of this community that we're with, then we want to be unified with them, and we call them our family. Most definitely. Well, and the other key, key thing, too, I don't think we've mentioned, but um, our, our family is very diverse, all sorts of different skin tones in our family. And, and so we've got uh, African-American daughters we've got hispanic we've got uh uh, my my russian daughter that was Mm -hmm. our first child Mm -hmm. and so 
you know, being able to have that, we've got extended family where there's, there's Asian and mm. all sorts of different, different, uh, cultural backgrounds. Mm. And so it wasn't something that we necessarily sought out, but when we were in the process of, 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 of explaining to the, to, mm. to the DS, uh, the, the fostering world, explaining to them, uh, what we're open to color wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we wanted you know, a, a certain age group in order to make make sure the dynamics worked within our family, but mm-hmm. but the but the color of the of the child's skin made zero mm-hmm. zero difference to us, mm-hmm. and so God blessed us with with a with a multicultural multicultural family. Mm-hmm. And, That's great. And so we 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 love that aspect. We also love the aspect of being able to embrace different cultures mm-hmm. internally. So being able to you know, learn together with different cultures and and eat different foods and mm-hmm. you know really kind of make certain that 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 we want to open our children's eyes up to the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a very great uh, route for us to be able to do that mm-hmm. initially with, with skin tone. It really is uh, an amazing thing to think about. And I, if I could be so bold as to say, you know, you could probably start your own UN right here. You know? <laughs> there you go. No, it, it is. It's, 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 I mean, and well, and the other thing too is, is, you know, the, the school that, that my daughters go, go to are, is very diverse, mm-hmm. lots of different cultures, mm-hmm. people from different countries and different ethnic backgrounds. The place where we live is, is very diverse. Mm-hmm. So, so we live in this awesome bubble, it seems like, that, that we don't have some of the same things that mm-hmm. are going on, you know, in the media and, mm-hmm. and some of those. It just, it just, it just isn't taking place in the same way. Mm-hmm. The wonder of uh, doing th- something like this uh, makes me think of other conversations I've had, and then it makes me think of you know we should have a whole program on this. And one of the one of the thises that I'm thinking about at the moment is uh, the connection of parents who are of different ethnicities raising children of different ethnicities. Yes. And that would be a whole program by itself, and perhaps even to bring in a psychologist mm-hmm. uh, to talk about the connections that need to be made in that respect. Um, I've had some folks come to me and say, you know, we're raising uh, this child who's of this particular ethnicity, and I'm realizing that there are some things I'm missing. I wonder what they are. And so I do think even within the Indianapolis community, we probably have folks who are doing this, but maybe even haven't thought down the road, how do these things kind of come together, and what are, what are some of the questions that maybe we're not even asking yet? Well, definitely. And and fast forward, you know, when, when our children are adults and, and you know, the fact that they grew up in a, in a diverse family, uh, you know, how's that going to affect them? I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. My kids mm-hmm. are still young right now. Yeah. Um, but no, I think that topic is, 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 is amazing. And there's yeah. a lot of individuals that I believe that would really enjoy that topic. All right. Note to self, make sure that we have, <laughs> we have this topic in the future. If you are raising a child that is a different ethnicity than your own, yeah, we're going to make that happen. This is going to be an important issue. Actually, I was talking with a psychologist the other day about this very topic, and he was very interested in maybe participating in something like that. So having you here and talking about these things this morning makes a difference in that sense. That's awesome. Yeah, so when we, we left last in the last segment, we were talking about how do you help your children feel at home in your family, and uh, you you had said something about putting together a book. So a story book, let's say, of their own uh, adoption. Um, when you talk to your children about their adoption, is this uh, story book something that you allow 
uh, just kind of free reign to explain to them what what goes on in their lives. Or yeah, I mean, and Kara just just did a wonderful idea. She got the idea from one of her resources of just being able to create those pictures of mm-hmm. of of our children as a as a baby or whatever the age they came to us, and be able to create that storyline book and being able mm-hmm. to explain the adoption process, being able to have that picture of that judge that was there, mm-hmm. and being able to you know just. You know, the first time they met some of our extended family and, you know, and all these different things. And it's just a, it's a celebrated moment. It's mm. it's it's a story about them mm. and a story that 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 they they enjoy hearing. So, you know, I think gradient levels of understanding. I mean, you give your child what they need at the time, at the age mm-hmm. that they're at. And and so being able to have that story as a as a solid base mm-hmm. allows for that discussion over the course of time as they get older to be more rooted. Mm-hmm. And so. So it is. It, it, it created a very strong uh, base for our communication, our open communication. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, too, that we've got several dozens and dozens of, of families that, that have adoption within their family. So you know, a lot of the kids that they play with mm-hmm. are either adopted or their siblings are. And, and it's just that's just a that's just a route on how we formed our family. Mm-hmm. I bet it's really a, a fascinating thing for outside families um, when they see all of your girls together and hear them say, yeah, that's my sister. Yeah, that's my sister. Yeah, that's my sister. There's, there's, there's got to be some wide eyes going on. Yeah, there's five town. girls, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and they're all from different ethnic backgrounds, too. Wow, that's, that's just huge. Well, you just mentioned a word. We were talking off air, Josh and I were about uh, the issue of I, I sometimes just pick up on words that people use. And in this case, you used a word uh, that is really kind of near and dear to me, which is the idea of rootedness. Yeah. And so the necessity of having deep roots, not just uh, in in a home perhaps, but in a community, and uh, the necessity of how you see that developing. Talk a little bit about rootedness and why that's so important to you. Well, just going back to the to the to the core, the core roots of of why we're together. You know, giving thanks for God bringing us all together as a family, and we tell our story with our kids of how how Kara and I met, and mm-hmm. and how it just that was the start of our of our family our core family here. But I, I mean, I think it really just goes down to that, that root of, of giving thanks, being gratitude, being grateful mm. for God, bringing us all together. Mm. And, and so those, those, those roots will allow as we, as we, uh, as, as our children get older and go through different stages, my hopes are that those, those fundamental roots mm. that we've <laughs> been able to mm. instill, um, are, are going to really show, uh, and, and serve as a lot of strength mm-hmm. moving forward. You know, there must be a picture in heaven someplace of your family and, and uh, you know, Jesus pointing to this to the angels and saying, see, this is what Revelation 5 and 9 look like, you know, down the line <laughs> oh, here. Right. All, all these different cultures and languages and ethnicities and nations, and uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is what things are going to look like. Uh, just take a look at the Bach family. When you, uh, when <laughs> wait, wait, come over to our house sometime. It's not always. It's not always. Uh, it's not always that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, it can we'll, be a little crazy. We'll just leave it like that. Uh, frankly, you know, maybe we'll talk off air about how it is to be a man in the midst of all of those women. But that's another discussion. Yeah. I'm sure, altogether. Well, I need to take advice any way that I can on that one. <laughs> As I said, I'm leaving that alone. <laughs> How about how when you talked earlier, something else that struck me that was interesting in your discussion about this was uh, your children were adopted at different ages. Yeah. And uh, 
when you talk about adopting them at different ages, what mattered and what didn't matter, depending on the age? Could you give an example or two of that? Well, our, our oldest was 10 months old when we went over to Russia and, and brought her back to the U.S. And so, you know, she grew up, that's all, that's all, that's all she knows. Mm-hmm. Now, we still explain those stories, and she uh, embraces that in, in adoption. Our twins, um, they were three days before their first birthday. Hmm. So somewhat similar. I mean, they were, they were, they were infants. <laughs> sure. And so that, not to, I mean, there were, there were some, some challenges that we had as far as with, with um, attachment issues, mm-hmm. you know, that we had to, had to really get through and some, sometimes still battling with some of that today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the girls that we just uh, finalized the adoption for, they were, they were much older. They, they have extensive memories of, mm-hmm. of being in several homes and they, they have some hurts and some pains and sometimes that comes up. And, and, and so the challenge of between the different girls are different girls are what type, what type, what, what, what type of knowledge base do they have before mm. they came to us? So it's, it's just different at different stages mm. and, and they're doing a wonderful job mm. of, a, of adapting. They, they've, they've been with us about a year and a half now mm. and, but it, there's difference. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, that kind of comes to my mind when I hear you talking about this is the the need for uh, trust, I would imagine, in your family. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have these little ones who have just come to you, let's say, 18 months ago, thereabouts. And um, is this something, from your vantage point, as you're seeing them develop and grow, is this something that you see as, as an issue for them, knowing who to trust and, and how to trust you? I, th- I think that... I think that would come into play with just about any child. Okay. Um, I think one of the key things I think as parents we can do, regardless of whether our children are adopted or not, is to just follow through with what we say we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's not easy at all. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the areas I think my wife and I do a fantastic job of. It's not it's not always easy, but if we say we say we're going to do it, we have to stick to it. I'm like, ah, you made me do that. <laughs> I, I wanted us all to go to the movies today. Now uh-huh. we're not, you uh-huh. know, or yeah. whatever. Right. But 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 that builds that that builds that trust. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as, as as a parent, we don't see it that way. But the fact is, when we stick through with what we say we're going to do, that gives a child so much peace of mind and trust for that individual. Yes. And so the good things, the bad things, and everything in between, just being able to 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 really. Follow, follow your word. This is uh, this brings up the topic of consistency, which mm-hmm. then brings up the topic of stability, uh, so that people know, hey, you know what? When I go home, I know for sure that these people are not going to stop loving me. They're not going to stop helping yep. me. They're not going to stop feeding me. That there's a trust, but that trust then builds into this stable lifestyle. Yes. Where and now we go back to the root. You know, pick a metaphor here. It really doesn't matter. Um, you can sink. Uh, sink deep holes where you're going to, you know, lay your foundations, whatever. Uh, bottom line is the need for stability. Uh, how important is that, do you think, for young people in a culture like we live in today? To have the to Stab- have that yeah, stability. stability. I, I, I believe it. I believe it's everything. I mean, as much as you possibly can is to be able to have that have that those fundamental stables mm-hmm. uh, in order for. For, for for children to know that that this is you know you look at the hierarchy of needs and, and make you know get. The, the survival and you move on into mm-hmm. where you know you have a, a more comfortable realization of contributing to the society but being able to make sure that those basic needs are met is 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 crucial the, the basic need wrapped in there is love mm-hmm. 
that's the that's the that's where everything that's mm-hmm. the root of every single thing. Mm-hmm. And so you talk about the idea of the unconditional love. You know, our our key thing is is no matter what. That's it. No matter what. Mm-hmm. And then we we, we kind of have fun with it. It's like, you know, okay, all right. If you if you went and ripped 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 the shower curtain, or if you did this <laughs> or you did that, would we still love you? You're like, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. All right, just check it. I want to make sure that you know. <laughs> would we like it? Would we be happy? No. <laughs> but we'll always, 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 always love you no mm-hmm. matter what. And so that, that's key. And we were blessed with having parents that helped teach us that too. So. Yeah. Uh, this goes to the issue of, uh, and something that I don't think our culture does a really good job of, uh, I think any culture that's uh, antithetic to a Christian view uh, certainly does not do a good job of uh, dealing with what happens if you do something that's wrong. So just this quick story, uh, when I was uh, dean at a Bible college, uh, I was hiring a person to come in and uh, teach certain courses for me. And one of the questions that she asked me right up front was, uh, what happens if I make a mistake? And I said, I'll take care of it. I'll cover for you. And she said, nobody in all of the bosses I've ever had has ever said anything like that. The necessity of saying, you know what, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. You're my faculty member. I'm going to back you up. Now, of course, if you do something egregious or something, you know, really... Uh, immoral, you know, that's a whole different discussion. But my word, uh, how much, how important it is it for us to be able to say to somebody, you know, whatever it is that you do, mm-hmm. um, especially in a family, you know, it doesn't matter if it's immoral. It doesn't matter if it's something that uh, that is an awful thing. We're still going to love you no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, that's important. Young people need to have this kind of stability, and uh, we're talking to Josh Bach here from Coffee USA, and we're we're in the Collaborate 317 talking about these these important issues. Uh, in our last uh, minutes here together, I wanted to uh, touch base with you about uh, your Christian perspective and maybe, per, for instance, some biblical principles that motivate you to consider adoption and to help other believers consider adoption. Well, I think I think Matthew 25:40, the King will reply. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Mm. And I think that is so true in regards to the adoption. Mm. It's so true in so many facets in, in life. Mm. But if you take a look at a, at, a, at a child that is in need of so many things, mm. whether they're a toddler or whether they're a 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old old child, they're in the need of so many, so many things. Mm-hmm. And for us to be able to to step in and help with those fundamental hmm. root areas is just is just is just vital. That's that's definitely one. That's one of my favorite verses all around. Nice. I think it, I think it definitely applies in in regards to the adoption world. Hmm. Yeah. Are there other uh, biblical principles, other verses that come to your mind when you think about these things that are important to you? Um. You know, I, I mean, there, there's there's so many because yeah, it roots. I mean, going back to our previous conversation is mm-hmm. is the the beginning of adoption in so many different ways as mm-hmm. we know it is is with Jesus, mm-hmm. and so looking at the core of of of, of Joseph uh, being the father of mm-hmm. of a of a child and disbelief of how did this happen, and for him to embrace mm-hmm. this new child into this world, we need to really stop and and look at that as one of the right. core areas. Yeah. And consider the fact that, by the way, Joseph never gets a word in in the Bible. Uh, he isn't uh, his vocabulary isn't even heard. You know, he doesn't get a word yeah. in. Um, you know, maybe that 
was the issue of uh, being born into a, a family of women. I don't know. No, sorry. <laughs> just teasing. Just kidding, everybody. Hey, hey I've just, got a boxer dog. He's the male. He and I are the only males in our house. There you go. So. There you go. You need some backup <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> so how would you, if you were going to sit down with couples, let's say, for instance, we had a couple in right now in the studio and we wanted to say they were asking about this particular issue. What would you say to couples that are considering adoption? What kind of maybe principles or a checklist or some kind of schematic would you go through to help them? Well, it's interesting because the, the, the male's perspective versus the female's perspective from our encounters is, has been very different. Mm-hmm. Typically, uh, you know, the females are leading that campaign and, mm-hmm. the, and, the, and the husbands are kind of you know, skeptically following along, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, 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 I, that I do... Um, that Kara offers my quote unquote services. She's, she's, she's matched up half a dozen or a dozen different, uh, coffee meetings with fathers mm. that have some questions that they want to hear a, mer- a male perspective because they, there is, there's a difference yeah. there. Yeah. One of the key questions, uh, just about every single time is, am I going to love this child? Like I mm-hmm. love quote unquote my, mm-hmm. my own children. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's a real question. Mm-hmm. And so I answer them very in a similar fashion to our show today. You know, mm-hmm. just being able to really get down to that root mm-hmm. and, and, and a, addressing it—that's that's real. Mm-hmm. Here's what I've found, though. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just being able to talk, asking them, asking them, you know, what what is it in your heart that that wants to explore this as a mm-hmm. as a route? What what are what are some reasons and rationales? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do this? And and kind of you know branching on f- from there. Mm-hmm. And the reality of this is a very important to say as well that um, this is a real problem for men sometimes in the culture where they are confronted with uh, children that are not their own. Maybe it's a blended family and how then do they deal with that? Uh, We've seen some awfulnesses in in the culture about how men uh, treat children that are not their own versus those that are in the family in a blended family situation. Absolutely. Well, I think it's it's <laughs> men struggle um, with connecting with our emotionals and emotions and communication anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so right. we're definitely light speeds uh, behind. I think females when it comes <laughs> isn't to that. that. <laughs> isn't that the truth? Yeah. yeah, that's right. So and just being able to talk about it, being able to have those discussions mm-hmm. and, and put everything on the table because I mean, just like with anything, I mean, the key area that cares. And my mission is in regards to adoption and fostering is spread the awareness. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Let's explore it. If this is an area that you want to learn more about, uh, if anything, just to be more aware, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss it because there are challenges. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things that we talk with 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 parents as well is, you know, it's just like you know biological children. You can't you mm-hmm. can't determine uh, what, what ailments or what personality that that's going to come into this world. Mm-hmm. But sometimes with fostering and adoption, I mean, they're dealing with a lot of emotional baggage, experiences that they're trying to work out. They're acting out in different ways. They may have, uh, you know, uh, issues that that you need to be aware of that could be possible challenges. Mm. It's, it's it's not a walk in the park. Yeah. So it's got to be something at the core that you're willing to, you know, face those and 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 help those individuals get mm. get the tools and resources they need. Well, honestly, from a personal vantage point, I hadn't thought about the distinction between the, the male and female in the relationship that, and that guys are going to think differently about this. But as soon as you say it, it's pretty obvious, yeah, that's yeah. going to be an issue. And it's not that they don't want to. There's just right. there's more fears and concerns. And typically what happens is, is if we have fears or concerns, we don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So therefore, there's a lot of, there's thousands and, or yeah. if not millions of people out there that have that desire to. Mm-hmm. 
um, that want to bring a child into their home. Imagine if that would take place, mm. Mark. Mm. Imagine if, if somehow along the way these millions of kids that are in need of homes mm. were to go into loving loving homes. Yeah. And so our well, you know, one of our missions is just to be able to let's let's talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Instead of someone procrastinating mm-hmm. um, or just not doing anything. Let's expose that to so that we can talk about whether this is a good move for you and your family or not. Right, right here toward the end of our discussion, let me uh, give you an opportunity to at least tell folks about what you're doing with uh, gifts uh, to foster children, uh, children that don't have families uh, right now, just to kind of give them a sense of, hey, this is something that you could enact right now. You don't have to be even involved in the whole process, but if you identify people that that don't, don't have parents, you know, take that away and tell. Yeah, it is. And, and going back again, my wife has done an amazing job, um, and I've supported and helped any way that I can on that with getting the word out. But over the course of the last four years, uh, she created an initiative in order to team up with some of the caseworkers or uh, guardian Lightum Lightum within the area to be able to uh, provide a Christmas gift or two for for foster children. And so. Uh, I think our first year we did roughly maybe 40 or 50 uh, uh, Christmases for, for young young foster children. And it's grown every single year, and I think there's a good chance we could hit over 250 this year. Wow. And so with a strong chance moving into next year with Collaborate 317 and our efforts, I mean, we, sure. could, we, could, we could go 500, 1,000 with the help of everyone kind of coming together on it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you had any last comments to uh, leave with everybody, what would you say today? Explore it. Become aware. Uh, the fostering world is is in is in desperate need of of loving people to bring kids into their home. Um, explore those op- opportunities to learn more about that. Spread the word. Uh, there's just so many kids in need, and there's a lot of wonderful people that we could match make and put them together. <laughs> Josh, thanks ever so much for being here today and talking about this and uh, sharing with us your your life with Kara and your five little ones and yes. uh, God's speed and uh, God's blessing to your home. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate yeah, it. It's been great, uh, really imp- an important topic and one I think that uh, needs to be uh, talked about even more. Uh, HB. You know, I'm smiling. Yeah, I know. You know no, I'm, I'm, I want to say hello. You know, just yeah. love my adopted mother out in Denver, Colorado. There you go. <laughs> I got adopted at 59 years old. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> we love you, Virginia. Yeah, <laughs> mom. And we'll be, I'll be seeing you in a couple of weeks, mom. Uh, this is a great opportunity to talk to folks about what what uh, Christians are doing that are doing good around Indianapolis. Uh, just to kind of highlight this before we take off today and before we uh, talk about next week. Next week we're going to be having uh, Liz Meyer and Josh Collingswood in talking about uh, what they do at Astute Rabbit Media and the importance of their work and why they commit um, such great uh, services to nonprofits such as Comenius. Uh, but I do want to emphasize again, because this is the giving season, that uh, nonprofits like Comenius and so many others are looking for those who uh, would like to step out, who have the means financially and fiscally to help uh, those of us who have budgets that need to be met through donations. And we are certainly uh, in need of those kinds of things, like all nonprofits are. So you can uh, connect with us at Collaborate 317. You can find me everywhere on social media. We're all over the place. You want to send me a personal email, uh, send it to echo1957 at gmail.com. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, Godspeed and God blessing.